You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Hang out with me. I'm going to go to my my good friend. Every time we uh, talk some football, I love to hear his thought process, especially today with uh, his former team heading and moving on to another round against the Philadelphia Eagles. Join me in welcoming Jay Bromley back to 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Jay, how are you? Hey, Larry, I'm doing well, man. Excited, man. The New York Giants football Giants are in the win column in the playoffs, man. All right, Jay. Uh, take me through defensively both sides, Giants defense, Minnesota defense. And let's start with the Minnesota defense. And here's the question I'm going to ask you. Obviously, when you have a running quarterback, you guys are trained because you're a D-lineman. You guys are trained to contain him, right? You don't want him to get outside. You have to maintain the edge, keep him where he's got to go up the middle where you guys have some help. Uh, why was it that except for maybe one or two plays, Minnesota was unable to do that? What did you see when you were watching the game? What were their mistakes? When you watch defenses like that, you really see a lot of lack of contain. So Coach Bagnoli used to always talk about it like this. You want to you wanna set the edge, build a wall, and track the hip. So, you know, the, the outside defender wants to set the edge and the rest of the team kind of wants to build a wall that the running back has to, you know, make a, a split decision and make a poor decision, and then you want to track them down from the back in the defense. So what was happening all night was not not edge setting. It was not great edge setting, so therefore getting around the edge, getting to the sideline, leaky yardage, right, things of that nature. So you see that over time, when, especially when the defense gets tired throughout the game. They had they were on the field. We get to the Giants defense in a minute, Jay. That Minnesota defense was on the field a lot. Uh long drives, nineteen play, fifteen play, fourteen play. What does that do to a defense, especially the linemen? Yeah, I mean, you're rotating as far as the defensive line, but eventually you get winded, man. You get winded really fast, especially when a team is running the ball and your quarterback is running the ball. That's a that's a, a offensive weapon that's unaccounted for mostly defensively, right? So these things are really starting to add up over time. And then you lose confidence because once one person stops doing their job, now you get hero ball because somebody thinks they got to save the day. Mm, interesting. All right, what did you see from the Giants defense, Jay? Man, disruption. Disruption early as far as the defensive line. Dexter Lawrence is just uh, all pro for a reason. Right, <laughs> that last face mask call, was, I mean, or roughing the pass, the call was very iffy. Game should have been over before before it was over. But um, just you know, keep getting after the quarterback, making make tough decisions. Obviously, Hodgson had a pretty good day, so you know, covering him with safeties and things of that nature is difficult. But they really shut down Justin Jefferson for most of the game, all of this game. We've talked about it, but and we've talked about it being Wake Martindale and what he does and his philosophy defensively. Uh, as a defender, how much fun is it to play in a scheme with him and what he does? It seems like he puts everybody in position to make plays. He does. He seems like he puts people in the best position for their skill set, right? He, he lets the big guys up front, like the D tackles, the, the Leonard Williams, the, the Dexter Lawrence, he let those big guys in the middle push the pocket right and help squeeze he lets the edge rushes like Thibodeau. He lets them really collapse the pocket from the outside. And then he has safeties that are versatile, like Landon Collins and McKinney. He has versatile safeties and, and secondary people that can match up. You know, obviously Hodgson is a really, really difficult matchup. But overall, man, they really play really good defense at the secondary. 
You know, it, it's funny, uh, Jay, because when, sometimes you don't realize it, but you have great players. And you can scheme a player out of a game. And uh, after the first quarter, that's just what Wink Martindale did with Justin Jefferson. From your defensive eyes, what did they exactly do? Did they bring safety help over the top? What, what, what did you see them do as far as getting, making Justin Jefferson a non-factor in the second half? Taking away what they did well throughout the course of the season, right? Getting the ball down the field with Justin Jefferson, maybe on the out route, out routes or outside routes, or maybe even posts and things of that nature. I feel like, you know, really converging the coverage on him, that's why Hutchinson had a big day, right? So when one thing is, is taken away, something else opens. You can't stop everything on defense. So once you take away Justin Jefferson, the middle is open for Hutchinson to, to work a lot, right? So it really was them really not letting the outside the numbers and big plays over the top kill them. But obviously over time, the leaky yardage and things of that nature happen from the tight end position where it's more difficult to guard. Former NFL D lineman, Jay Bromley is my guest. You're listening to The Drive on 98.7 ESPN. All right, Jay, let's talk quarterbacks. What do you see from Kirk Cousins, and why is it he's a very talented quarterback, but why is it that we seem to, when games get big, he seems to, more than normal, come up on the short end? Interestingly, man, because this year they had, what, like eight comeback victories? So this year, for the most part, in the regular season, I think they retired for most in the regular season, so – they pretty much made things happen throughout the course of the season, but Kirk Cousins historically has kind of been cold when it comes to big-time games and winning the big-time games. So I, it kind of it's still on his record to this point. The jury's still out on his ability to win the big-time game. He can win games in the regular season, get a team to the playoffs, but can he hit that big-time game that's not some wild miracle like versus New Orleans, right, and really be consistent in throwing the football? And he's proven that to this point. He didn't play horrible, but he didn't play well enough to win, especially in those last two drives. Yeah, it, it just seems like there's always one or two drives or plays that you need him to make in the postseason, and he just seems to come up short. Exactly. He just comes up short, man. How do you not find Justin Jefferson on at least in those last couple drives at least three or four times, right? Even with double coverage. We've seen him throw it to double coverage and Justin Jefferson make a play. Not that that's what we wanted, right? We New York <laughs> Giants, That's we got exactly what we wanted. But just uh, perspectively and objectively, it's like, how do you not figure out a way to get it to the best wide receiver in the game, you know, arguably? Jay, what do you see different from Daniel Jones? What What is so different about him under Brian Dayball than under the previous head coaches? Oh, it's confidence night and day. It's confidence, not feeling like he, he's grown to the point where he doesn't feel like he's going to get pulled if he does something wrong. It's kind of that mental game that, that players have and they go through, especially with coaches, right? So when, when you feel like if I make a mistake, I'm going to get pulled or it's going to be, like, negative for me in that way, I'm not going to have an opportunity to learn, you play differently. You play less risky, right? You play outside the normal frame of your ability. But when you have confidence and, like, hey, man, I'm going out there playing free. If I make a mistake, it's not the end of the world. I have my arm. I have my legs. I'm doing everything to help my team win. So he's out there playing with great confidence. He's making good decisions. He's getting the ball to the right people. He's throwing the ball. He's running the ball, keeping the defense honest. So it's really confidence. Confidence is the biggest thing. He feels he looks comfortable in his position, in that pocket, in the scheme. And he has excellent complimentary players, obviously Saquon and the wide receivers stepping up, minus that drop by Slayton that should have ended the game even earlier. But big-time plays stepping up to really help him out. How important is coaching to help a player's confidence and, and to make sure that, 
the coach finds a scheme that that's best, no matter what his scheme is. He looks at his players and says, you know what, this is better. Let me adjust my scheme to the player instead of the player adjusting themselves to the scheme. From you, from the defensive side, how important would that be for you? I think Spags was that kind of coach, yes? Yes, it's vital. I think it's vital to make sure that when you look at your inventory, you have to take a look at your inventory and see what you have and what position can you put them in to be the best and most successful that they can be. Um, from my perspective, a coach's job was always to get you to do what you didn't want to do, right, to become who you say you wanted to become. So they want, needed to put you in tough positions as far as, like, practice-wise to make it easier during the game, right, to put you in the – coaches need to be able to observe you and be able to say, hey, I've watched you, i watch watched how you move, you're really excellent at this, and encourage you in that way, right, and then be able to hold you up even when you make mistakes. That was, you know, slate and late in the game, right? So he drops the ball, but the head coach, he can't give up on him. They're going to need him if they need to score another touchdown. So you can't just be a Debbie Downer. You have to go there and say, you know what? You've made big plays for us in the past. You'll make more big plays in the future. We're not going to dwell on this. So a coach's job is after you get past the X's and O's and you know what you're doing, their job is to help that, comp that player build confidence in the position that they're putting them in. Jay, when Saquon Barkley is healthy and running the way he's running and also catching the ball out of the backfield the way he did today, how dangerous of a of a weapon is he for a defender to try to, to contain? Obviously, probably top three running backs in the game, top three, five running backs in the game, versatile enough to do all things, versatile enough to catch it on the backfield. One of those last drives, he caught it with one hand, right? But also being strong enough, like being out on the goal line and running through a 315-pound defensive tackle for a touchdown, right? So when you have a guy like that, and he's an excellent leader, he, he knows the game, right? So going back in the season when he, instead of getting another touchdown for his own record, he stops and he runs the clock out. So he's smart. He's intelligent. And he's thinking about the long game. So he's a guy that really changes the dynamic of the team as far as inspiration, as far as what they bring to the table. And he's a guy that you want to play with and for. Jay, let's go around and get, get your thoughts on a couple of the other games that happened this wild card weekend. Of course, we got one going on right now where – uh, Baltimore's on the board, so they now trail 9-7, and uh, Cincinnati has the ball. Of course, tomorrow night we've got Dallas at Tampa Bay. <clears throat> Excuse me, but I just want to get your thoughts on, on two. From a defensive standpoint, when you prepare for a guy like Purdy in, in, in Frisco and uh, Thompson today in Miami, guys that haven't been there, guys that are the third string in both instances, from a defensive standpoint, how do you prepare for guys like that? Do you because there's not a whole lot of video on them. Well, Purdy, there is more than I think Thompson, but still, how do you prepare? And how do these how are these guys so successful? Even though the Dolphins lost today, you could say they didn't lose because of of Skylar Thompson's play. Even though he had two two picks, it was more of a problem with you know clock management and stuff. But how, how do you, from a defensive standpoint, how do you prepare for young guys like that? Those guys are probably the, the hardest people to prepare for. There's not a lot of film on them out there, right? You, coaches will pretty much go back to college with guys like that, right? They'll go back to their college tape and try to pick up little nuances on um, when they hike the ball, right? Do they touch their hand? Do they, rub their, do they rub their towel, right? What is their cadence like? How long does it take for them to actually get the ball out, right? Do they look to the left? they look to the right? All these little things coaches will try to get from college because they, they know they don't have enough or preseason. So it's really they don't have a plethora. Coaches usually pick about three or four games for a player 
that season. It could be Lamar Jackson. You're going to pick three or four games versus defenses that are similar to yours, and you're going to watch those games throughout the course of the week to get your understanding of what this player can do. So when you don't have that because this player is so young and this player doesn't have enough snaps, they're really dangerous because the defenses don't know their snap cadence. The defensive line has got to wait to the game to figure out how to get a jump on the ball. Secondary doesn't understand some of the signals maybe, right, because maybe they don't flow over from the last quarterback to this quarterback. Maybe they simplify the game plan because that, 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 that quarterback doesn't know the game plan or know the extensive amount of plays that were put in since the summertime. All these different things play into the fact that, like, hey, if you simplify this game plan and this guy has nothing to lose, he's dangerous. That's like a boxer with nothing to lose. He, he, all he knows is that one punch can win the game, can win the fight. Those guys are dangerous. Mm. Two more for you, Jay. Uh, defensively, you're the Chargers defense. You forced four picks in the first half, right? And you're thinking – you know, we've done our job. We're good. All we have to do is just let the offense run the ball, run the clock, and we're moving on. How 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 shocked were you to look at that game last night where Jacksonville comes back and wins by one point after a game-winning field goal? Yeah, I, I think that that's phenomenal. Um, obviously, being up like 24-0 at one point and then coming all the way back from that to win the football game, I said this to a friend. If somebody throws four interceptions in a game, Lawrence, usually he might not be in the game anymore, right? <laughs> Somebody's going to take him out. So the fact that he threw four interceptions and was able to stay in the game and really be in there and, and come back like that, and it's exceptional for that, that defense, right? Because they had to not give up another like another touchdown to win the game. You know, so it's, it, it, was, it, it was a phenomenal comeback, obviously one for the record books. But as far as if I'm a charger, I don't understand how I didn't run the ball at all. I don't understand how I couldn't produce some of the same things that I did in the first half, right? They have a really good young quarterback as well. What happened to him? And then what about play calling? All these sorts of things start to come into effect when you think about going on a drought when you score 24 points or more in the first half, and then you don't score, you score six in the second half. That's crazy. Last thing, uh, Giants going to Philly next week. How do you prepare? This is a team that you know. You face them two times a year, every year. You know what they bring to the table. They know what you bring to the table. What's your mindset going into a game against a familiar opponent? Is it, is it good or is it bad? I think it's good in the sense of knowing what to expect, right? You know what they're going to do. Like, they're not they've they've been this way all year. They're not going to change who they are. They're not going to change from being a team. They get Jalen Hurts back a, a little bit more healthy. They get they, their team a little bit more healthy. They're going to be exactly who they are. Now, the thing about it is when you're playing in the playoffs, you want to go home. So when depending on the, the game and how close it is, now you can throw in the Philly specials and stuff like that, right? So you can think about those trick plays, those one-off plays that are about – and getting X amount of yards and getting a touchdown and, and trying to catch somebody by surprise. But overall, I think you go into that game with great confidence, you know, especially if you played them well and you know their scheme. So you can really, you know, bite down and figure out, okay, how do we stop this zone read? How do we stop the RPOs? How do we stop A.J. Brown? How do we stop the, these monsters they have at wide receiver that make it really difficult for us? So you, I think you really can, like, bite down and understand, okay, same thing. We took away Justin Jefferson. We're not going against a better wide receiver this week. 
right? We might be going against a better team, but how can we figure out how to kind of space that out and shut it down a little bit better? Jay, great information as always, my friend. We'll talk to you down the line. Thank you, Larry. Appreciate you. All right, good talking to you. That's Jay Bromley, the former NFL defensive lineman, giving his thoughts about the Giants and some of the other games this weekend. When we return, we'll continue to take your phone calls at 1-800-919-3776. That's next. You're listening to The Drive on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. It's The Drive on 98.7 ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. You know, Jay Bromley had some interesting comments. Get to the phones in a second. And it's, it is confidence, right? It's confidence because the head coach and the coordinator has confidence in you. And they have confidence in you because you're, they've, they've looked at your hard work. So while, yes, we should give credit to Dayball and his staff for what they've been able to do by toning things down and, and, and making Daniel Jones more comfortable in the schemes that they have. But also, you got to give Daniel Jones credit for making that adjustment, for working hard to, to, to earn their trust and build his confidence. And the fact that he's allowed to run and, and he can, you know, obviously make that choice at the line of scrimmage and do different things, that's, it's different. And he deserves it. He deserves all the accolades that he's getting right now. Cause, and once again, today, he was phenomenal. He was great. He was great. Back to the phones we go. Richard's in Florida. Richard, you're next on the drive. Hey, how you doing? Good, Richard. What's up? Right? Man, I was at the Jaguar game last night, uh, and then I'm a huge Giant fan, and I just want to make a couple comments. First of all, on the Jags real quick. At, at halftime, I'm with four 20-year-old boys, my son and his buddies. It's freezing for Florida last night, and they're like, we want to go home. And I'm like, first of all, it's the Chargers. So you, there's that. And I said, second of all, we will go home if the Chargers score a touchdown in the second half. So we ended up staying, and the Chargers chargered. And that coach is just a nightmare on any game. I, I can't even believe how bad Brandon Staley is. All they needed to do was rely on a little bit of running from Eckler or even the quarterback in the second half, and that game is over. But they don't do it. No. It, no. Unbelievable. On the Giants, here's what I, I, I want your opinion, obviously. I want to say this. One of the real values of Saquon Barkley is how valuable he is on the plays that he doesn't get the ball. Mm -hmm. He is so unselfish about being a decoy for that team, and it doesn't show up in the numbers. Not that the numbers were bad, but do you, do you agree that what he does is really – I mean, I think that's why him and Danny Dimes work so well together because they're both dual threat. You know, Danny Dimes is dual threat pass throw – I mean, uh, pass run, and Barkley is run catch. And, um, you know, I think it, they're, they're just tremendous together. I agree with you, Richard. Thanks for the phone call. And I'm glad you didn't let your guys leave because <laughs> you, missed, you missed a history-making performance last night. Uh, you're right. It's, 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 it's what leaders do, right? It's what leaders do. And Saquon Barkley wants to win. And, he, and he's, he's a guy that's been hurt. He's a guy that's ecstatic to be healthy. He's a guy that wants to play. He's a guy that understands what it takes, and he's a guy that's got versatility. And so, yeah, he'll block for you. And the other thing, which has been very quiet, but he's done a much better job in picking up the blitz than he did early in his career. He's done a much better job. And his ability to fake and go in, look, he's healthy. And no, everybody understood how good Saquon Barkley is. We all know. The only question has been his availability. 
when he's healthy, he is an outstanding bat. I mean, you look at him the first couple of years. He was a home run hitter from the running back position. Home run hitter. And so, you know, so when you take that away and you're not sure you have that, okay, that's the only question as to why he hasn't had his contract extended because of his availability. Same thing with Daniel Jones, okay, his availability. I mean, he's running more than he has, but it's smart running. He's not getting hurt. He's not getting banged up like he did in previous years. So these are the differences. And so once again, it's about coaching. It's about understanding what your role is. It's about knowing what to do. It's, a, it's about understanding and executing what the game plan is. And both of them have been phenomenal with it. And now they have a chance to go on the road and uh, in Philly, which, listen, there's going to be a bunch of Giant fans down there, so it's, it's going to be an interesting game down there. Uh, and they, all they have to do is go down there. And, listen, they've got as good a shot as anybody has going into Philadelphia against the Eagles. 1-800-919-3776. We'll talk more Giants next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. It's The Drive on 98.7 ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Go back to the phones. Let's talk to Malik in Brooklyn. Malik, you are next on The Drive. Hey, what's up, Larry? How you doing, brother? I'm doing good, man. What's happening? Larry, I'm doing well, man. And, Larry, I want to start by saying, as a sports radio veteran caller here in the NYC, I've always admired your work from afar and your personality and your and, and your sports insights and acumen. I needed you to know that. Thank you, Malik. I appreciate the kind words. What can I do for you tonight? And also, um, also by the way, Chantel over there, the, uh, the young lady who's producing or answering the phone, she's doing it. She's very, very nice, man. Very, very doing an excellent job as well. Got to give your team props, bro. Thank you, and Joe Leo as well. We got a good crew here tonight, man. We got a good crew. Oh, yeah. Hey, Larry, um, I believe we're on the same page. I think that you and I... Uh, root for the same teams, Jets, Mets, and the Blue Shirts on ice, correct? I'm a Mets fan. Um, I don't root for the Jets or the Rangers. I, I cover the Rangers and cover the Jets, so I kind of – it sounds like I'm a fan because I'm really familiar with them because I've covered uh-huh. them so long. But, no, the only, the, only, the only fandom we have together, my friend, are the Mets. Okay, the Mets. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, we're, I know you're happy. Uh, we got Pete in the, in the fall this year for yes, at least avoiding arbitration. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But, Larry, um, and by the way, um, but I do have to say, my Rangers, Larry, uh, watch out for them because uh, mm-hmm. I see covering them, you know, Savannah Chat, All World, Panarin, it's like Picasso and Ice, uh, Adam Fox, you know, perennial Norris Trophy mm-hmm. uh, contender, probably won it this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, that young boy, Keandre Miller, I just think he's like, like John Miller. Lamont on ice. Like Miller. Like Miller. He, he's yeah. proof from last Isn't season. Isn't he good? Too. He's really good. Like him. Yeah, his skill set is ridiculous, man. He goes deep, his puck handling, his vision, and that's plus minus. I mean, mm-hmm. the boy is nice. They need to lock him up for about seven years. And the guard is faithful. We love him. You should see the jerseys, uh, Larry. Uh, but, um, Larry, here's my question for you before I leave. Um, and by the way, great interview, Larry, with Jay. Uh, Jay Bronley, I believe his Jay name is. Bromley, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very good. I love the questions that you posed to him. And uh, he had some really nice insights. So that was good. But, Larry, do you see any – here's the question. Do you see any parallels between Daniel Jones as he's succeeding now and as he's matriculated in his career? 
I mean, because the first two years, nobody thought much of him. Uh, we thought uh, uh, Gettleman was a complete idiot, uh, at least Giants fans that I spoke to and I, I talked to. Well, comparably speaking to Zach Wheeler, who everyone wants to run out of town, <laughs> rightly so, but Joe Douglas loves his raw skill sets, and the company line, Larry, is that he's only 22, 23. You guys will see. And uh, Robert Sala, and they're willing to fall on the sword with that and uh, and stay behind them. So with coaching notwithstanding, or maybe a coach like a, uh, a Shanahan or somebody at Will OC, do you think that um, we can see Willa doing the same thing that Danny Jones is doing? And Larry, I'm going to hang Zach up. Wilson? and Larry, get at me, baby. All right, Malik, thanks for the phone call. I think he's talking about Zach Wilson. I Listen, that's what the Jets are thinking. They're thinking that the next offensive coordinator is going to come in here and try to help them not only get better offensively with a veteran quarterback, but also try to see what they can do in, with Zach Wilson. He is their highest pick. He was the second pick overall. They still think that they can do something and get him going. And listen, yeah, I mean, you look at what Dayball has done with Daniel Jones, but see, here's the other thing, though, Malik. Daniel Jones showed you promise early. I mean, the, the biggest issue that you had with Daniel Jones in his first couple of seasons was turning the football over. You you liked the way he could throw. He had a pretty good completion percentage. It was his availability, and it was the, the fact that, you know, or lack of availability and his turnovers. So you've gotten a guy who's come in here now who understands him and who holds him accountable, and it's very clear. And, and but, but that's what Dayball has done for the whole team. If you don't perform, you don't play. So, you know, you hear that it was a player's league, it's a player's this, it's that, it's that, it's a player's coach, it's this. Whether it's a player's coach or not, you have to hold your guys accountable. And that's what Dayball has done with Daniel Jones. Because it was clear when they brought Tyrod Taylor in here, Tyrod, he had Tyrod Taylor up in Buffalo. Tyrod Taylor knows this offense. So if Daniel Jones didn't perform well, Daniel Jones would have sat. Tyrod Taylor would have ran the team. And they would have taken whatever happened. If if they didn't make the postseason, then, you know, they'd be able to be in the draft and they would draft the quarterback and move on. So, like I said earlier, you got to give Daniel Jones some credit because he did the hard work to make sure to show that, yeah, I deserve to play. I want to play. I'm working hard to play. Give me a shot. And then he goes on the field and he does it. So, so that's what you appreciate. If you're a Giant fan, that's what you appreciate about Daniel Jones. And you hope that he can continue it, right? You hope that he can be that guy because right now you're, you're, the Giants have a decision to make how many years they're going to resign him because you have to bring him back. This is not even an idea of we're not bringing him back. He's definitely going to be a Giant next year. There's no question. And he deserves a multi-year deal. He does. He does from the way he's performed. And here's the exciting thing if you're a Giants fan. As I mentioned earlier, now they'll be able to give him more of the playbook. So if he gets more of the playbook, he gets more comfortable, we can add some things. And then you add some more receivers, and it makes your offense that much more versatile. I mean, yeah, there are some things that you need to add to this team. But now maybe you don't have to go as far as you once thought. But that's the key thing. Davo, Joe Shane, they have to be honest with themselves to say, okay, here's, here's where we really are. Okay, we were able to do this because of this. We were able to do that because of this. But this is what we really need 
if we want to have sustainable success in this division. And that's where the hard decisions come. Dave's in Cormac. Dave, you're next on 98.7. Hello, Harry. Hey, Dave, what's up? I'm a Giants fan, and I'm also an Islanders fan. I figured you'd be written for the Islanders if you're not a Rangers fan. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't have a real hockey team. I, I, the closest thing I am to a fan, which was uh, after I finished covering the Devils for some years, I kind of liked them, but I felt I would be a fraud, so I didn't, I didn't want to join them late. So that's why I haven't picked a, a hockey team or a football team because I covered, I covered so many teams. Uh, Dave, I didn't want to be a fraud, so I haven't picked the teams. <laughs> In any event, uh, I saw the Giants game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing uh, is that well, I'm curious to see if you think that that because uh, I know they they lost to uh, Philadelphia the last time by six points, but again, again, they didn't have their starters out. Right. I think maybe they got an excellent shot at, at beating Philadelphia, and maybe they even go to the Super Bowl, maybe they even win it. Uh, the Super Bowl, but uh, I'm curious to see what your thought is. But I wanted to say before I get your opinion is that uh, I think that uh, Daniel Jones should do less running and more throwing, but you need more receivers or, or and or more defense around him. Well, I'll say this, Dave, and thanks for the phone call. Yep. At this point, I, if I'm a Giant fan, I don't want Brian Dayball to change anything. I don't want Daniel Jones to change anything. I don't want Saquon Barkley to change anything. I want to keep doing what I'm doing. That's what I want to do. I want to keep do- don't change a thing. It's been successful. Okay? Don't change it. They have things in place if if defenses take something away and they have to go to something else, they know they they can do that. That's not an issue. So for right now, if if then if the Vikings couldn't stop the run, then keep running. <laughs> you don't don't bail them out. If they couldn't could they couldn't contain Daniel Jones and let him run outside and run wherever he wanted to run. Keep running. Don't let him off the hook. Let them let them stop you first before you make the adjustments. Okay? Listen, they could go on the run. I'm not ready to say that they're ready to go to the Super Bowl yet, but listen, they've got a very good shot. It's not going to be easy, but they have a very good shot to go in, to go in there, in Philly, and upset the Eagles. They do. They have a very good shot. They know the Eagles. Obviously, the Eagles know them. It's all about execution. When you play, and it's always interesting, and I always have these these conversations and thoughts, it's always interesting when you face a division rival in the postseason because it's how you prepare. And and I've, I've asked a number of coaches this over the years. Can you actually outthink yourself in situations like this because okay the last you heard what Jay Bromley said you take the last four or five times four or five meetings or situations and that's what coaches and coordinators normally do to prepare they put together something for you and you know that's how you prepare this is how we're going to do our game plan here we go so how do you – you know them. So aren't you tempted to put in something that they would not think you would put in? But if you do that, how does that take away from your identity and your success? It, it's always fascinating to see how you prepare against a divisional opponent because you know them and they know you. And aside from execution, you have to put something in there that they don't expect. What do you do? How do you do that? What, what do you make that decision? 
That's what's so fascinating to me. That chess match in coordinators where they go back and maybe they do something that you hadn't seen in a couple of years. Do they go that way? Do they do they just go ahead and say, okay, well, this is what they did this time. We're going to go do that. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. We'll continue the conversation on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Island, AJ, you're next on 98.7. Well, what's going on? What's up, AJ? Yeah, I just want to say, you know what? I want to call out all those uh, people that, uh, you know, uh, picked the Vikings just because they had a better record throughout the year. It's it's not. You know, it's a pro game. It's It's professional football. I want to go back to when the uh, Giants lost to New England on the last game of the season, and somehow they won and they beat them in the Super Bowl. Because you know what? They had a game plan after losing to them. The Giants seem to have that type of uh, chemistry. They, they, seem to, they seem to have that type of, uh, you know, dynamic. That You know what? Yeah, you can beat us once. Maybe twice, but you know what? When it comes down to it, we got you. And it happened again today. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Well, AJ, I'll say this. There, there is that similarity, and that was brought up a lot uh, counting down to this game about what happened with the, the Giants in, in New England. And it's kind of similar, right, to what the people are saying about the Giants in Philadelphia coming up this weekend too because the Giants, even though in this case they lost, but they, it was their second team – they didn't. Daniel Jones didn't play. Saquon Barkley didn't play. A couple of guys on defense didn't play. And so, you know, you have to have the mindset of saying logically, well, listen, if we have our guys, we go in and we got a great shot. And guess what? They have a great shot to go in and, and upset Philadelphia. Is it going to be easy? No. Does Philadelphia pose different challenges than Minnesota does? Absolutely. Uh, do, they, do they have as good a receiver as Justin Jefferson? No, but they have very good receivers. Uh, the defense is a little better. It's more versatile. Uh, and the other thing is that, you know, Jalen Hurts is – you know where Kirk Cousins is going to be. Jalen Hurts can run and throw. So it's going to be a little difficult, a little different task for the Giants' defense. But they have, the way they're playing and the way they play today, they have an excellent chance of going in there and beating, and beating Philly. Not saying they will, but they have an excellent chance. It, it's they'll be in the game. It's going to be a competitive game. And listen, if you're a Giant fan, that's all you want. It's on the road. If you are if you are within one score in the fourth quarter, you're good. You're good. That's what you want, because then you can find a way to make plays and steal it. Because guess what? That's what you've done all season. As a Giant fan, you've watched your team do that all season. Defense keeps it close, and then fourth quarter. You make a couple of plays, and you find a way to win. So the next game against Philly should be no different. Kevin's in the Bronx. Kevin, you're next on 98.7. All right. Giant fans are happy tonight. They should be, Kevin. Yeah, they definitely are. Listen, Giants have a good running game. you got a good running game. You use it. Your quarterback's a good runner. You use it. A lot of reasons why the quarterbacks today run, because the offensive lines aren't that good. Um, what I see today is I don't see really any real great teams out there. You know, you, you got the 49ers, their starting quarterback is six games into his uh, starting career. Uh, Brady is up there. 
but he's basically dragged the Tampa Bay Bucks over the finish line there to get him into the playoffs. That will be some game tomorrow night. Um, but don't, my rule of thumb is you don't bet against Brady. Um, I don't care what, what it is. I don't care if he's playing with the Rascals against the Pittsburgh Steelers. You don't bet against Brady. Um, Josh Allen, uh, Bills, it's not surprising. The Bills have won a lot of close games. They just they just don't really blow teams out the way they should you would think they would have done today, but listen, listen. It was a tune-up, but it was one. It was a Rolls Royce going in for a tune-up, and they almost drove out with a with a Volkswagen or something, or a, red, a little red wagon. They got out of there with the heck, you know, with you know, with the skin of you know what. But the, the, there's no great team. That's why I feel the Giants can make moves now. Playing the Eagles next week, Eagles do not have their quarterback has been injured. Uh, who knows if they have any rust on them for the last two weeks? A lot of people say rest the plays. Yes, you want your quarterback. You want her to get uh, healthy. So of course you want to get that rest before he gets banged up again when he play the Giants. So um, it's listen. It'd be great to see like the last pick in the draft against the uh, what was it? What was Brady like? 199 to 200 pick in the draft, right? Purdy and Brady in the NFC Championship game. But I look at this. No great teams out there. There are some great quarterbacks out there. Giants could go on a roll. Listen, everyone knows you got a running attack. You use it. You Daniel Jones can still pass that ball. Give him a little time in there. You saw it with the touchdown pass to Barkley, and also with interceptions. Let's be a little bit careful before we burn a quarterback at the stake with interceptions. Of course, except for Montana with four rings and no interceptions in the Super Bowls, it does. It's interceptions do happen. I'll go to yesterday as a quick exhibit with the Jaguars. With talk about yeah, Trevor Lawrence had four in the first half. You're right, Kevin. Thanks for the phone call. And and you're right. Interceptions do happen. They do. But that's rare that you turn it over four times like that and win a game. In the postseason? That's just, I, listen, I don't call for anybody's job. Never. In all the years I've been on the air, I never call for people's job. But I'll tell you this. Uh, Staley, if I'm Charger front office, we're having a long conversation on Monday morning. <laughs> we're having a long conversation on Monday morning. I got to know what you were thinking. I got to know. I got to know why we didn't get a touchdown in the second half. I got to know. I got to know why. I got to know why. 1-800-919. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.